Welcome to the Marching the Mind podcast. Today we welcome Argentine football manager Hernan Losada to the podcast. Hernan is currently DC United's manager and is the youngest coach in the MLS in the United States. In his first season as manager, Hernan guided Bishgot to promotion to the Belgian Pro League, Belgium's top division. Before becoming a manager, Hernan played professionally as a midfielder in Argentina and Chile before coming to Europe to play for Bishgot and Anderlecht. So let's welcome Hernan to the podcast. Great, great. I just ended up with a meeting and yeah. we have training this morning. We train on the stadium. Tomorrow we are playing against yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. And that's why I was a little bit too late. Sorry nah, for that. Nah, you're not late. Trust me. It doesn't look too too good the weather right there behind you. Uh, weather is amazing. Yeah. Every single day is, is sunshine. Today it's like an exception. But I have to be honest, since April uh, until now, a lot yeah. of sunny days. The summer is super hot. Yeah. So uh, I kind of forgot how it was in Argentina after being 15 years in Belgium. Yeah. I got used to the yeah to, the, to that weather that is different. Mm, but uh, I really like it here. Trust me, but like Belgium right now is. Uh... As you know it, because I'm in Belgium right now and it's grey. Um, so yeah, I know, I you're know. lucky. I, I, always, I always watch the games and I follow the competition, so I yeah. I kind of see the weather and and it is the way it is. Will you live in Netherlands? Prat the liver of me? No, no, France, France. I'm I'm ah, from France. the French French area. Ah, okay, yeah, okay. from like the Brussels French area. But ah. I did spend one year in Genk, so that mm. was a, a a culture clash. Uh, mm learning the language but yeah yeah you speak really good Dutch actually I saw that yeah I, I made all my courses in in yeah. Netherlands and I went to school um, but I think the moment I started to study the the UEFA mm. courses um, my Netherlands improved a lot yeah um, but now I'm you know it's it's everything in English I still have a player from from Netherlands and to try to don't forget the language I communicate with him in in Dutch yeah. in Flemish and we have also a French player two French players so with those two I can practice my French and yeah it helps me to to don't forget the languages yeah it's fantastic Ollie's in Leicester yeah in the UK the weather's unbelievably bad like it goes from sunshine to absolutely just like the rain's just been so bad today working in it as well so I got absolutely drenched but here we are so a great place we like to start uh, and for listeners to get to know you um, is talk us through your journey. So who is Hernan Lasada? Well, actually, I'm the uh, head coach of this United. Um, I've been, I started my career as a soccer player in Argentina for Independiente. Uh, I moved on to Chile uh, for Universidad de Chile and in 2006, um, I moved to Belgium to play in Berscot, Antwerp, and on paper was a one-year-long uh, contract. But after that, uh, the team uh, bought bought me, uh, used the option of my contract, and I never came back. Uh, I thought I was going for a year, and I ended ended up uh, being 15 years over there. And Berscot was my first team and my last team as a as a football professional player and. And that is where I started my, my career as a coach after uh, being and going through all the courses uh, with a C, with a B, with a A, the, and the pro license. Already three, four years before I stopped with my career um, as, as a football player, I knew I wanted to be a coach. And I started to prepare myself uh, to have the possibility right away to link the end of my football career with the with the coaching's career, and and Berlscott gave me the chance uh, at first uh, uh, as head coach of the under 21 uh, with the second team. Uh, I've been there for a year and a few months, and and after that, um, well, the club was uh, in a difficult situation in second division. I took over, and luckily we we promoted, and and then we had an incredible start. In, in first division, which gave me the opportunity to be what I am right now. Mm. Taking it back to your time back home in Argentina, so how was that kind of like growing up? Um, and was football always a sport you were in love with or were there different 
career options that no, were on always, your way? No, always, always. I always yeah. knew this is what I wanted to be. This is mm. what I want to do. What was my passion? Since I was a little kid, uh, I was playing football all the time. All, all my free time was invested in playing football, yeah. uh, playing on the streets, playing in the park, playing with my friends. Uh, uh, it was a different, um, a different generation. And now with all, all this technology, PlayStation and phones, mm -hmm. uh, it's a pity that the young guys are spending a lot of time in that instead of like before it was, it used to be, and was playing the street and not only soccer, uh, biking, yeah. uh, sharing boys, girls, uh, until late at night, uh, uh, was having lunch, do my homework and, and mm. go straight to the streets to, to play with my friends. And, and I kind of feel all the time that I invested in the streets playing football later on my career, it, it pays, it paid off because yeah. those are all extra hours that you unconsciously are training all your skills and techniques and coordination that is so important later on for your career. And those are all the hours that this generation I think is are, are missing. Um, so it's, it's kind of a reflection that we need to make and try to promote that the young guys are investing a lot more time uh, on open air uh, doing sports and any type of sports, not only football. I think sports uh, can be your best school uh, because uh, it teaches you to, to play in a team, to get to know other cultures, other nationalities, other mentalities, and you put them all together and they all need to do the same thing and they all have the same goal. So now it's kind of a generation very independent, individualistic, uh, yeah. and then that's something that I miss sometimes, but it is the way it is and you have to accept it and it's up to us, coaches, staff, to make a click and to find ways to, to adapt and to still have a good communication and a good link with them to let them know what they need to improve and to, and to be better. Yeah. I think me and John were the last generation to be those people who were playing outside all the time. Now it's all like, like you said, all on technology. Um, but just taking it back, like we saw that you were studying business management at university, but dropped out to pursue a career in football. Was that an easy or, or risky choice to make at that time? Uh, or did you sort no. of know that you was going to be a successful footballer? No, I always knew that I I wanted to put all my energy on on, on a professional football career but I always kind of have a backup instead in, in case it didn't work out uh, but I, I felt it that was absolutely not my passion my passion was what I'm doing right now and and was um, trying to be an example trying to be a leader and that's why by moments I have more joy and happiness by being a coach than being a football player many yeah. people tell me you you're crazy. And, and I believe that uh, there's, there's nothing more beautiful than being uh, the one who can decide the game by being yourself on the field. But I have to say that the feeling you have as a coach by being next to the field and seeing your team uh, playing and doing the, all the stuff that you have in training during the week is, is so powerful. And it's a kind of a feeling that I didn't have as a, as a football player. Different feeling not better yeah. or, 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 or less, not better or worst, but I love, I love being a coach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, to, to be fair, like you talk about having that backup option. Um, I think that's super important because in, we all know in professional football, the chances of making it to the professional game are very small. Um, so something that I focused on is supporting released academy footballers. Um, mm. So them having that other option, whether that's um, studying at university or college, uh, doing other things or identifying how they can use what they're learning in football in other careers is super important. So it's interesting that you brought that up because, yeah, like I said, it's very important. Yeah, for sure. And so how the hell did you end up in Belgium? Please explain to me, like, how did you end up in this tiny country of Belgium? Well, uh, it's a very weird story. I I still don't know how it went, but the the president of Bershkot at that time was Schost Verhagen. Mm -hmm. um, he got a DVD at that time, a DVD with all clips <laughs> of me playing Argentina. Um, and he was impressed. And he flew personally with one assistant to Argentina to meet me in person. And at that time, I just came back from, from Chile and I wasn't playing. Uh, I was just training apart. 
Independiente was looking a solution for me. Mm -hmm. So I say, unfortunately, I'm not playing now, so you can't see me live. But they were so impressed about my clips and everything what I did that they decided to give 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 me a shot and bring me on one year alone. So my father was always very supportive, and he was probably the biggest responsible of having that DVD to collect all my best moments and to to put them all together. And I don't know exactly how it came mm -hmm. to the president's hands. And that's how it went. It, it, it was meant to be. It was destiny. Yeah. For sure. When moving halfway across the world, what is it like adapting to that culture and lifestyle? If you were to like give some advice to um, some footballers who have to do the same thing, what would you give them like that terms of advice? Because you've gone there for 15 years. Yeah. So you clearly did something well. <laughs> I think you need to love what you do. If you don't love what you do and you don't put 100% in what you do, um, the chances are a lot less. And since the moment I arrived in, to Antwerp in Belgium, I told to myself, I'm going to do whatever it takes to stay here. I want to build a career in Europe. And well, it takes a lot of sacrifice because uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I miss my family a lot. I miss my friends. I miss my roots. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, it took me a lot of effort to survive to a new culture, to a new country, to a new way of living, to a new weather. Uh, so you have to be very open-minded. Uh, you have to adapt a lot, be flexible. Mm -hmm. Since day one, I went to school and I went to learn Dutch. And then when I went to Anderlecht in Brussels, I started to, to learn French, to communicate, to, to make me feel part of that new culture. Um, and at the very same time, I was taking care of a lot of my body. You need to eat healthy. You need to, yes, go out, go out and party. But the moments you can, uh, the moments you have the freedom to do it. Uh, later on in my career, I play until I was 36. And, and I started to work a lot more during off-season, okay. which I didn't, I didn't do when I was younger. Off-season was just to rest and to eat barbecues. But then when you started... <laughs> At the preseason, uh, it was tough, yeah. and, and I felt a huge difference when I started to take care of my body, and I was using off season to maintain. And then the preseason, I was flying, and and that helps me to avoid injuries, to stay fit, to avoid surgeries. Of course, I've been lucky, but it takes a lot of sacrifice. If if you really do it with love and it's it's your passion, it it shouldn't be tough. Yeah. Uh, but okay, we are young and we need to be ready to to forget and to miss a lot of anniversaries, birthday parties and, and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And it's part of the price you need to pay if you want to have a, a very nice career. Yeah, for sure. So you, you talk about uh, the importance of the off-season. We've just had uh, Prince Basumbo on and he's doing the next-gen football camps and uh, he's like focusing on helping players like perform in the off season. So when they go into the actual season, they're going to be ready and firing. So it's, it's interesting again, that you've brought that up. Yeah, yeah that's, that's massive. Mm. I believe that uh, if you can maintain everything what you have built during a season, of course, here and there, you can, you can do something funny and spend time with your, with your family and, mm -hmm. but, Believe me, everything what you drop during off season, then it costs you double during preseason, and and yeah. of course, when you become thirty or plus, thirty or older, your body is not the same as when you are twenty. So mm. it takes a lot more time to recover. It takes a lot more time uh, to to for everything. Yeah. Uh, so you need to start to take care a lot more and better than when you were twenty or twenty one. Mm -hmm. Even fun. yeah, yeah good. Good. No, that's why I find Ronaldo so amazing, like for him to be performing at 36 in the Premier League. Were there any sort of inspirations for you? Who is your football inspiration like throughout your career? When I was a young kid, I had a poster in my room uh, of uh, Juan Roman Riquelme. Oh, uh, I used to be a number 10, and at that time, there were a lot of good number 10s. Uh, Pablo Aymar. Riquelme, Saviola, Hernan Crespo, all that yeah. generation of 
of incredible players, uh, big talents, and and that was one of the players I was looking for when I was young. Yeah. It's clear that the life of a footballer is so challenging, and you yourself endured numerous challenges throughout your career. So injuries and some incidents that happened off the fi- off the pitch. How do you cope with these incidents as a football player? How did you do it? Well, I know it's it's not easy when you get hurt. I think you need to to at that time set a goal. Okay. It's very important to set a goal, to set a personal goal for everything. For I, that's the way I work and the way I challenge myself. Uh putting the the the, the bar very high and trying to achieve go always for the best for mm-hmm. for example i'm here at this united i want to be champion is that realistic no not at all probably not we are not the best team we don't have the best players we don't have the biggest budget but i'm training and working every day to be champion and i think with that mindset then we're gonna play playoff because we are playing for champions if you just play for playoff then probably you're gonna drop and you don't even gonna play playoffs. So always try to go for more. Always try to uh, strive for perfection. And in case of injuries, set the goal. And the doctor tell you six months, go for five. Mm. Challenge yourself and do whatever it takes to to prove people wrong. I think that's kind of the underdog um, motivation that I have for myself. That when they say, "Oh no, that's not possible," that's my motivation. I'm gonna prove you that it is possible. Yeah, and with an injury, with an injury is kind of a similar story. Yeah, I love the underdog mindset. Yeah, it's so good. We both have sustained quite serious injuries ourselves, and we can completely relate with the goal setting. And and it's backed up by research, like psychology. Everyone says goal setting is so important, and like to achieve your long term goal, having the little goals in between is so important as well. So, so yeah. And and another important thing for me is to create a routine. Okay. okay. You need to create a routine. You wake up always at the same hour. You work up a certain amount of days until the body and your mind start to do things automatically because you it's, it's part of your process. It's part of your daily life. Mm-hmm. So build up um, healthy routines. It helps a lot to achieve goals. What are some healthy habits you'd recommend to, to, to footballers or even coaches that you sort of implemented into your routine? Something that I'm not good at, but I have to improve, meditation. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We, we tried over summer and it was very difficult. We downloaded different apps and stuff and it's very difficult to follow. But yeah, tell us more about your experience with meditation. Meditation, meditation. I mean, take uh, a little break when you wake up and before you go to sleep to meditate and you can use sometimes clips from youtube or music or just a a dark uh, room close your eyes try to reset your mind Mm -hmm. Um, and there are different techniques of course i'm not an expert but i think that is uh, a game changer 100% nah yeah a lot of interesting information um you talk about the playoffs, um, so that you might not be champions, but you're going for the playoffs and you want to be champion. Um, what cultural differences have you found between European football and playing in the MLS? Like, what? how difficult or different has that been, you know? Um, it's been it's been different because here there is a totally different mentality. Um, here is... Uh, uh, um, more a culture of um, American football, baseball, yeah. uh, hockey, and those are all explosive uh, sports mm-hmm. with teams of 30 players, 40 players, uh, and they play in with a, a short amounts and a lot of breaks. And football is an endurance sport. It's, it's yeah. you're running for 95 minutes and you touch the ball 20 times, 25 times. Uh, yeah. If you are lucky, if you play in, in the middle of the park, like like they say, that, like they call here. So uh, that was a big change for me. Uh, here is a different 
way of building up uh, pre-season and different way of training. So little by little, we started to to bring a lot of new ideas and uh, new ideas, new ideas for them maybe, but ideas that I brought from Europe. I say everything is invented, everything is there to to be taken. Hey, it's up to you to to put it in practice. And the physical part part of you is they work in a totally different way. And and the competition is different. Here is a lot of technical players, and they are they look a lot for spectacle. Uh, all the teams, the biggest investment they do is on offensive players, forwards, oh, okay. number tens, uh, and they kind of forget a little bit more the defensive part. Or you're never gonna see like a big player or a player earning a lot of money as a wingback or a fullback or a center back or a goalkeeper. The, the main guys are the creative players and the offensive players. So that makes it different. Um, uh, I think it's a lot more tactical in Europe. Uh, it is a little bit more disorganized, but it, it's a lot more spectacle, a lot more entertainment, more goals. And that's what the owners and the fans uh, want to see. Yeah. Do you, find, do you find coming from European football that it's been sort of an advantage to you that you've been able to implement your own knowledge into the American game? 100%, yes. Yes, with all the, um, the knowledge I got from Europe, uh, with all the people I've been working with, uh, the course I had with, um, with so many talented coaches and, and, and ex-former players, I... I stole a lot of ideas that I <laughs> did mine uh, and that opened my, my eyes and my head and, and now I kind of feel of, uh, secure and, and a lot better being here and I have a lot of material and content to, to put in practice in this league. So for you, at the end of your career, was it always evident that you were going to become a coach? So. Take us through that transition. That transition, so of becoming a coach. Um, it wasn't hard for me because at the same time I was playing, I was also doing the courses, and I started to think already as a coach when I was mm. still a player. And the the I didn't have any holidays. Uh, at the very same time I stopped with my football career, I started as a coach. And at the same time, I was doing scouting. I was doing. I was assistant of the first team, and my agenda got so uh, busy that I didn't even have time to miss my life as a football player. Uh, so it was something that I did also for myself. I say I'm gonna make as much as I can, so I I don't miss the routine of going to the changing room, being with the guys, uh, training on the field. Uh, of course, my life got a lot more busier than before. But once again, because it's my passion and I love what I do, I don't see this as a job. Uh, I don't see this as, oh, I wake up in the morning and I have to go again to my work. No, I, I love it. So yeah. because it's what you love, you invest time and you, you like it uh, because it's your passion. So the transition was not hard at all. Yeah. yeah, that's the goal of life, I suppose. Um, and join these coaching courses, they they always implement your philosophy. So you coaching philosopher, and you say you've taken ideas from other coaches. Are there any managers that inspired you, or you try to emulate? Um, and what is your coaching philosopher? There are many managers that um, inspire me a lot, especially the the German coaches. Okay. Uh, I like uh, Jurgen Klopp and and Tuchel from from Chelsea, but I also like Blessing from Ostende, which I uh, every time I can I, I keep on watching his games because of the intensity, because of the the fire and the passion that there are in in those teams. And my philosophy is is very simple. It's always trying to find ways to create opportunities and and to win games more based on on our game that, than adapting constantly to, to the opponent. And, and I believe that playing to win at the end of the road is going to give you a lot more points than playing to not, to not lose. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, I was an offensive player and I like to play to win. And when I was a young kid and I was playing in the streets, 
we all played uh, to see who was the one scoring the most goals and not to see how we're going to avoid you to score <laughs> uh, yeah. against us. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a very vertical coach. Um, you need a lot of fitness and physicality to play the way I want. Um, I want to defend in the half of the opponent. And, and I think modern football is, is, is a lot about transitions. Uh, transitions from offense to defense and to defense to attack. And uh, the, the team who is able to make those transitions in the better way, most of the time is the team who wins. Mm -hmm. So you talked a lot about the tactics of like football. What are your kind of values and philosophy towards your players? So how do you interact with them? Do you see them more as, you know, friends, not really friends, but not like their boss how do you kind of interact with your players? What's your kind of philosophy with regards to that? No, I'm, I'm a friendly coach. I like to connect with them. But uh, of course, there is a thin line between being yeah. becoming a friend and, and, and being a distance coach without feeling with a group. So I like to be involved. Uh, I really believe that the synergy and the connection and the good atmosphere in the group is crucial to... To get results, um, that there are moments to have fun and there are moments to work hard, mm -hmm. and you need to keep a balance, uh, like everything in life. For sure. Mm. Did you find the step of transitioning from an assistant coach to a manager quite challenging, or was that quite a smooth transition? It is challenging, yes, because your status and your responsibility mm. change a lot. As an assistant. Winning or losing, of course, you are part of a staff, but all the eyes are always on the head coach. The mm -hmm. final responsibility is always on the head coach. So from that point of view, it was a massive change. Mm -hmm. yeah. We don't really talk about the pressures and the, like, you know, the psychological difficulties managers experience. How have you kind of coped with that? Because we all know it's a high-pressure job. How have you kind of managed that? It's it's a good question. Um, at the very beginning, I was uh, very stressy, mm -hmm. and the more stress you have, the less you can think, and the the worse decisions you make. So you need to try to control your emotions. As a coach, it's very important to make the right decisions. But I I reach a certain point as a very young coach that my advice, number one, and something that I try to reply to myself many times is uh, never be scared to lose. The moment you start to be scared to lose and you, you are not loyal to your principles because of a bad trait of, of losses uh, or bad results, or you have to be loyal to your principles. And if you really believe that's the way you're going to make it, stick to your plan and, and, and don't change. But yes, be flexible in formation, be flexible on tactics, but on principles, be loyal to your principles and never be scared to lose. Because, uh, you know, it's part of the job. It's part yeah. of the job to, to, to be fired. It's part of the job that when the things are not going well, you know you're going to be the first guy who's going to be replaced. And, uh, but never stop being you. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're going to regret. If they're going to fire you, okay, fire me, but with my principles. Because that's also the reason why you hire me. Yeah. That's the reason why you give me the job. So that's, that's very important. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I really respect with um, Gareth Southgate, obviously being an England fan. Um, a lot of the time, England fans were giving him stick for uh, his team selection, leaving some star players out. But he believes in his philosophy and his formations and, and the way he likes to play and that got us to a final um, and if he listened to the media maybe we wouldn't have got that far because he's just like all the fans just want the best players on the pitch whereas mm. he's got an actual system that's, that he's trying to work through and he's not worried about what others think and I think that's super important because if you did get fired then you've got nothing to regret because you did everything that you believed in. Absolutely and the other part is that uh, the, the journalists, the fans, yeah. and everyone that is involved in this, in this business, they only watch 90 minutes. Mm. 
but they don't yeah. have any idea of everything was happening behind all the yeah. sessions injuries uh family problems and mental problems i don't know it's it's there's so much stuff going on that you have to to take into consideration to make decisions and make a lineup and and may and, and and decide the formation or or tactics yeah you just watch 90 minutes you only watch 90 minutes once i watch the game twice after yeah. that to to make a a cool analyze uh, without emotions so uh, that's why I don't like to go in discussion with people who don't have the full package of information that I have. So yeah. I know when I have my reasons to make my decisions because I've been with the guys 24-7 for, for seven days. Mm -hmm. and, and this is a lineup, and I believe that's the best lineup or that's the best approach for that game based on a lot of things that people doesn't know. So that's why you, you need to stay loyal to, to what your eyes th see. Eyes never lie, and and most of the time, even with GPS and all this technology, they they are just a proof of what your eyes are are, are seeing. It's mm. it's very un, unusual and uncommon that something that your eyes sees on training, the GPS the data is telling the the opposite. Most of the time, what you feel and you see, especially being a, a, a former football player, yeah, then probably you you're right. So do you mean like, for example, in training, let's say you see a player not training intensely and mm. the GPS results come out and say, is, is that what, is that what you yes. mean? For okay. example, for example, yeah, yeah you, you have the feeling that player, he, he trained with, a, with, with the handbrake uh, on, <laughs> or he was controlling the efforts, then you, you received the, the, the GPS and yeah. yeah, he was, he was very low and, but then it's up to us and the whole staff to find the reasons, the reasons why. Why he's not recovering quick enough, or why he was controlling the the efforts? Because mm. I believe you you play like you like you train. Yeah, it's it's impossible to try to to recreate or to do something only once a week when five or six days during the week you have been doing something different. Mm. So you need to play like you train, and if you don't train with the right intensity, you don't gonna reproduce that the day of the game. Yeah. In terms of your approach to coaching, uh, I'm interested to ask, is your approach uh, quite hands-on, like a, like a pep, like a two-shell, or is it more um, managing like Alex Ferguson, like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at the moment? Uh, obviously, being a Man United fan, I, I, always, I always find a way to link it back to Man U. <laughs> um, and what are the benefits to your approach, whichever one it is? It's kind of hard for me to describe my own approach. Uh, I, I'm more kind of uh, the motivator guy who needs to have everything under control, or at least have the feeling that he has everything under control. The, the manager type, more Ferguson style, I think is for later. Okay, Maybe okay. in 10, 12 years, 15 years, I will be more the guy delegating a lot yeah. more and, and just stay inside and, and being just the guy making the decisions. Now it's I'm too passionate to don't be on the field, to don't give the sessions on my own, to don't translate my experience as a player. And, and I really like to motivate the players and always find ways to, to push them to the limit. So um, um, I'm, more, I'm more kind of the Pep style, but of course, please don't compare me with him. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just starting. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a rookie. I'm a rookie. Yeah. So how do, how do you get the best out of your players? So let's say at halftime you're losing one nil like how do you what what do you say to them what yeah mm. tell me more about that halftime i believe is a it's a key moment yeah. in every game first of all because you are under emotions and you have a very limited time to communicate so you need to be very direct very straight to the point so you need to identify two three things not more if you have the possibility and we have the chance to link those uh, remarks with clips, with images, and that's it. Not, no, not more. And going with, with a clear view, with a clear analyze, and focus on maybe one or two things offensive, one or two things defensive. And oh, of course, not only negative things, also positive things to keep on doing. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a very short, limited time that you have to connect with the players 
knowing that the players also use that moment to to relax and to cool down. It's 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 a key moment in in for for every coach, and I I really enjoy half times because half times can change a game and can be decisive in in a result. That's so interesting. It's like you're going to a war and then you come back for 15 minutes where it's quiet and then you go back out to war again. It's very specific. It's really strange. Yeah, uh, the information minutes. has to be yeah. straight to the point. Yeah. Are you making notes throughout the half of yeah. tactical yeah, things? All the yeah. time. Always got a notepad. Yeah. All the time because otherwise then I forget and at the end of, of the half I have maybe 10 notes. But then, like I say, you need to choose the two, three most important ones. Then we have someone more focus on set pieces who also analyze the set pieces and see what we can change for the second half. Uh, but the right information, not, not too much, yeah. always, always an overload of information. It's, 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 it, it creates the, the, the opposite effect. And you don't need to forget the players are on their emotions. They are with the adrenaline very high. You need to relax, to cool down, to calm down and, communicate only what is necessary yeah. mm -hmm. um on our podcast we have a lot of uh, academy footballers who listen um and something that i've started to do and ask uh, guests are especially as a manager at first team what are the mental qualities um you look for in an academy footballer and for them to know and develop themselves what would you look for looking down in an academy what are they possessing uh, that you'd select on from the mental part, you yeah. mean? Yeah. Mm. Well, most of the time is uh, I like to see how they react uh, after a bad ball or after a bad uh, referee decision. I like to see their mindset under difficult circumstances. Uh, I think the big players are those who can manage uh, and go through difficult moments uh, and stay positive in those difficult moments. So after a bad pass, after a bad control, after uh, a bad decision of, of a team teammate, uh, what is that reaction? What is your mindset? And and the young guys who are able to to go through those moments and keep the focus and and survive. Uh, those difficult situations, I think, are the, the ones who, at the end of the road, can, can make a good career. So uh, that's one of the things I observe the most every time when I was um, yeah, with the under-21 and I was doing all my training sessions with the, with the academy players. As a manager, so obviously you scout players based on their physical ability, but do you also look at the mental side or do you not? focus that much on it when you're doing your scouting no that's very important that's very important it's, it's it's a tough one because how can you get the right information about their mentality about their formation about their education about are they good or bad in the in the changing room are they positive if they don't play if they, if they don't get any minutes and it's, it's 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 a tough one but i think it's a very important one you can be an incredible good player but if you're going to have a negative mindset and you're going, don't going to be positive towards the group, at the end of the road, maybe you are more a negative one than a positive one. And, and you need a, a balance. You, you need strong characters, but most of all, you need positive energy. I, I believe a lot in positive vibes, especially when the things are not going the, the way you expect it. And, and how, you, how do you know now? I, I, I think based on a lot of research, uh, trying to make contact with all teammates and all all coaches and football war is, is a small war so uh, it's 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 a very important part into a scouting uh, procedure yeah just building on your point about being like you, you can be the greatest technical player but if you haven't got them psychological skills and you're not mentally tough and you're not communicating well you're really going to struggle. I've seen so many technically gifted players mm -hmm. at, at Leicester and them not make it. Um, whereas I always like the example of Jordan Henderson. He's not the best midfielder in the world, but he's won a Champions League, he's won a Premier League, and he's been captains in both because mm -hmm. of his psychological um, advantages that he, he's built in himself. Um, and a point I wanted to ask is, obviously the captain 
talk, talking about Jordan Henderson being a captain, what do you look for in a captain? Because I think the captain roles changed so much and evolved since your Roy Keane, your Patrick Vieira's. Um, what do you look for in a captain in the current game? Uh, well, something that it's kind of disappearing, uh, mm. and that's a voice to have a voice to have a coach on the field, mm. yeah. someone who can read the game, someone who is verbal present during the game, and not only during the game, also off the, the game, uh, outside the field, and and it's an example. I think a captain has to be an example. Mm. He has to lead by the example. But at the same time, you have all those um, hierarchy positions like the, the player who is the longest in the team with the most uh, games in, in the team or maybe a player who came from the academy and it's already 10 years playing for, for the same club. But they don't have the abilities to be captain. Um, yeah. So I also believe in captains without their armband. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, captains that they don't need this to be mm. captains and believe me as a coach you need you need three or four of, of them to to control the, the dressing room to stay positive to to speak the same language and, okay. and it's very important so he, he needs to be verbal present he needs to be positive and needs to be leading by example i think those three characteristics are the most important ones in a captain yeah there are a lot of influence over the squad for sure it's funny because, like Oli, you were saying in the previous episode that, and based on your research, that you kind of need that guy that's funky, you know, in the dressing room, that brings the good vibes, like Jesse Lingard, that puts the music on. And then you have the more quiet guys, but you know on the pitch they're going to give their all. And then you've got the vocal ones, like uh, Hernan said. So You've even got yeah, the quiet you, ones. Yeah. Like, yeah the quiet cool. ones are important. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. To keep calm in, in those chaos moments, you know? Mm. It's so important. Sure. No, it's it's a balance. It's a balance, and the ideal scenario for a coach is to have a mix of all those different leaderships: the quiet one, the the, the hard worker ones, the positive mindset mentality. Uh, it's not easy. It's it's it's. I have a hard a hard job. I know. <laughs> this is uh, all done in my research. I did um, during my masters and. Uh, one thing I found that was having too many of the same sort of characters can be a detriment to the uh, the dressing room because having too many leaders, it can cause friction. Having too many, you know, it can. Yeah. Absolutely. I think now Paris Saint-Germain could be a good example yeah. of too many players who are used to be the star, the, 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 the one shining and taking all the credits. And now all of a sudden you have three, four, five of them all mm. together. And it's gonna be interesting. I, 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 if there is one manager in this world that I couldn't like to be right now is Mauricio Pochettino. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's that's an easy job uh, right there. No, we've got a PSG-related question at the end for you. We'll save it, but um, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. All. What are you gonna say? Being in America, I just, I'm just curious. Um, do you try and keep up with European football? Because obviously the time is so. You're like in the morning. Yeah, it's definitely. like. Yeah, so Man City PSG yeah, no. in like 40 minutes. <laughs> oh, especially Champions League. Champions League, yeah. those games are a different level. Yeah. I have sometimes kind of a feeling this is a different sport. Yeah. Uh, the, the speed of execution is so high and it's it's amazing to see them playing and finding a solution in such a tight spaces. Mm. Uh, the, Belgian League, the Belgian League, I still follow a lot. Um, and then it's uh, MLS, MLS and Mexican, Mexican football. I started okay. to follow up a lot uh, as well. Uh. Have you tried your hand at any um, uh, following American sports? Because I've recently got into, well, me, me and John have got into NBA. Um, I've started following NFL, so I'm a, I'm a now I, a, char a Chargers fan. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> Chargers. Yeah. I've been, I've been in an NBA game and in, in, in baseball game. Okay, what's Broadway. baseball like? Baseball, I, I think I got lucky because I went to watch a game who was full of emotions. Okay. <laughs> it happened a lot of stuff, but most of the time it's, 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 it's yeah. a quiet it's environment slow, isn't it? where, where people go with the families more to enjoy. Yeah. And 
than, than putting all the yeah, more social yeah. a, a, a event. Yeah. But I'm planning to go next week to um, to a hockey hockey game. They say the atmosphere is is unbelievable. They yeah. are in preseason now, yeah. so it will be a preseason game. But nice. but uh, and American football started a few weeks ago, so yeah. that's that's on my on my list. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so we've touched on a lot uh, to do with players there, academy players, professional players. Um, what psychological qualities do you feel make a successful manager? Um, so being able to manage your players, what, what do you think made you so successful and, and secured the DC United job? Well, I need to, I think you need to control your emotions, but also you need to be, a, the role of a manager changes a lot these days and the last couple of years, and you need to be a people manager. People manager means uh, giving the same attention to to the kid manager, to the greenkeeper, to to the general manager, having a good relationship with the owners, uh, taking care of your staff, giving responsibilities to your staff, make them feel ac accountable, um, to really have that feeling of we are all part of success and we are all part of uh, a defeat or, or or a bad moment. And and like I say, like I say, the same thing with the players. When when you have that family feeling in between the players, but also in between the staff. And there is a good link and connection and communication with the medical part, with the physical part, with with all those different persons that are so important. And at, at the end of the of the season, they make the difference. Um, so people manage a lot, a lot of communication. I think straight, clear communication is is key. Yeah, mm -hmm. I found that on the All or Nothing uh, documentaries on on Amazon Prime. They go into those moments, and uh, especially the Man City one, you saw the kit man's like the life of the dressing room. <laughs> yeah, he's a funny guy. Yeah, he is. <laughs> um, have you worked with a sports psychologist before in your career so far, or not at all? Yes, we have one here at DC. Um, I, I do believe this is in the future and not not in the, in the in the long term but in the short term um a mental coach will be as much important as as a head coach okay. um i think it's 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 very important to have someone to work with especially with the young guys to give them an extra support off the field because I, i've been there and when you are not good in your head we, when when you are going through a difficult moment uh, it affects your performances 100%. Um, so the mental part is it's key. We they, we we work tactics, we work the technique, we work the our body, but we forget to work our minds and our heads. And and the more I talk with another mental coaches or another teams who are uh, investing in a mental coach, the more I, I I'm convinced that. Is going to be a key, a key part uh, uh, for success in the future. It is definitely the future, and I think the teams that are doing it at the moment are the ones that are going to be the most successful and are sort of ahead of the curve. Um, a common misconception with sports psychology that it's just for players. Do you think sports psychology could be useful for coaches as well? Because absolutely, yeah, mm. absolutely, yes. I also need sometimes support. I also have sometimes uh, fears. We are human beings uh, with a lot of uh, feelings, and you need to 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 control your your head. I mean, your head is, and your brain. Uh, the, the brain is the most important muscle in in your body, and 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 you need to train them, and you need to you need to be the one controlling your brain. Uh, and football is emotions. So, yeah. uh, if you don't have your emotions under control. On the field, but also if you don't have an order and a and a clear philosophy and 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 healthy routines outside the field, it also has an impact in your in your game. Yeah, I think sports psychologists can have not only just when it's a problem, but it can also help improve a coach's performance. 
like there's so many things they can do like uh, facilitating a good team culture um, and, and helping the coach do that because sometimes coaches don't have that knowledge you clearly have a great knowledge of how to facilitate that good team culture uh, you, you you've spoken that throughout the podcast but it can definitely help improve a coach's performance yeah no definitely and and what i believe is that a mental coach maybe can create a bond or a connection with a player that the head coach can't yeah because of my position i I can't cross that line of intimacy and, and, and private stuff that maybe with a mental coach who, who is willing to help you and the mental coach is not the one who is going to come and tell me your problems. It's just there to help you. I, I don't need to know. Yeah. Uh, and that's the kind of confidence that you need to build between that position, being a mental coach, being that, that to support the players and to make them better. Um, and 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 the and the head coach. Those are two different things, and it's very hard for a head coach to get so close as as a, as a mental coach might be or could be. Yeah, it's a shame because in Belgium, as you may know, like sports psychology and mental performance isn't really developed. So like it's reassuring to see like in countries such as the US, you guys and, and clubs such as DC United are actually using um, sports psychologists. So. It's really encouraging for us because we are in our process yes, of... Uh, but I have yeah. to tell you, this was our initiative. Uh, I don't know how many MLS teams has a, a mental coach. Okay. I think we are one of the fewest. Uh, um, so it's something that needs coming up. Mm -hmm. coming yeah. up. But you need to be open for it. Yep. You need to believe in that. And I, I hardly believe that that can help a lot the players. Yeah. This podcast has been so information rich. I think for any um, player or coach listening, it's going to take so much away from this. In terms of your future career aspirations, um, where do you sort of see yourself in, in 10 or 20 years? Like, what is the hype for you and what you want to achieve? I tell you, I, I work at my best with short-term uh, oh. challenges. Okay. And... My challenge is to be champion here. I wanna, I wanna win the MLS Cup. Um, so to be honest with you, I don't know what I see myself in, in two years. Okay, yeah, no, <laughs> that's fine. Definitely, yeah, for sure. And we're really interested to know, like, obviously, being a manager is very heavy schedules. How do you kind of disconnect from the world of football? If you can, of course. <laughs> Meditation, maybe, but is there any no, other way? It's, it's, it's a good one because it's what you mentioned is very necessary. Very necessary to sometimes disconnect and to have other hobbies or other kind of stuff who attracts you and can put your head somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know. I like to do sports a lot. I like to run. I like to play tennis. I like to play basketball. Um, I, I'm, I'm. It's, it's still related with, with football. But I, I started to read a few books. Um, I don't have my phone with you because, with me, because otherwise I will recommend the book that I started to read. I, I'm very bad with names. <laughs> but I, I also started to read a lot of things about psychology. And because I believe that's going to make me stronger and it's going to make me better in to deal with certain situations. Um, so reading um, and making sports, two of the things that I really like to, to do on my free time and that kind of disconnect me from football. In terms of uh, recommending a book, we got recommended a book uh, by a previous coach um, at Leicester, Leicester City Football Club. I've got it here. You uh, have to read this. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's called The Captain Class. I'm getting around to reading it, but it's about uh, the best captains across all sports. So he's got like, Tim Duncan on the San Antonio Spurs, Carlos Puyol from Barcelona. And it's all about the qualities that they possess. Um, it's definitely an interesting read. Nice. Nice. We'll I, will I will consider that book. Thank you. <laughs> no worries. But um, yeah, in terms of all our questions for you, they were all, all, all we had for you. But... We also asked um, our followers on social media uh, and they sent in their questions. So me and John normally just go one for one, uh, asking you these questions, reeling them off and, and get your answer. So the first one is uh, very controversial, Messi or Ronaldo? 
I'm going to tell you, Ronaldo. Yes. Good answer. Uh, and, and I tell you why, because I feel a lot more connected uh, with Ronaldo than with Messi based on his principles, based on his habits, based on his how professional he is, how much he lives for the sport. Uh, I think in my eyes, Cristiano has a lot less natural talent than Messi, uh, but he worked his ass off to be where he is with 36. And he's an example, an example of taking care of being professional, of uh, being a leadership. Um, so of course I love Messi and, uh, and he's from Argentina, he's from my country and, and everything he does is amazing and I enjoy seeing him playing. But if I need to choose an example, I choose Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm -hmm. I can, can completely agree with that 100%. I think the fact that he's challenging himself at 36 to go to the mm -hmm. Premier League where he could easily take a step down to a, to a different Amazing. league. Unbelievable. Amazing. Unbelievable. Okay, so the second question, you kind of answered it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So what are your targets with DC United and are you confident you can make it to the playoffs this year? Um, well, that's the target. The target are the playoffs. So I'm confident. Yes, we are in a good spot. It's going to be tight until the end. When the season started, the odds uh, were saying that we were going to end up uh, 12 or 13. Um, we don't need to forget this team last season scored only 25 goals. Now we already scored 45 or 46. We are the second uh, best team in the league uh, on, on, on scoring goals. Um, so it's been a lot of changes for this organization since I arrived and, and I'm pretty confident we, we can achieve that goal. And if it's not, I still want to have that feeling of we gave it all and we, we tried and, and, and no regrets. That's the feeling I want to have at the end of the season. 100%. The third question sort of been answered. It was um, what were the main differences between European football and American soccer? So I'll move on from that one. Uh, the final one is, what advice would you give a young coach who would like to make it at the highest level? Good question. Um, I would start saying, uh, try to identify what's your style of play. Try to build your own style of play. It can be based on a lot of other coaches and a lot of other principles that you like from other teams. But at the end, try to make it your own. Um, so have a clear view about how you want to play, how you want to attack, how you want to defend, how you want to act on the different transition moments. That's it. And then build up uh, different training sessions based on your principles, but be loyal to your principles. So the first thing you need to realize is what kind of football I want to play and build your own style of play. Yeah, no, definitely great advice. Um, they were all the questions we had for you. Uh, thanks yeah. so much for coming on the podcast. We no really problem. appreciate it. It's been great. Um, is there anything you want to, we normally give a segment at the end where you shout out anything, but all your socials and that will be in the, uh, in the description. I'm sure everyone who listens to the podcast is now rooting for DC United. 100%. Um, I'll be following it. So yeah, is there anything you want to shout out or... <laughs> No, yeah, but I can finish this podcast with a positive note and saying that uh, the purpose of our life is to be happy. Uh, I think that's why we are all here. Uh, I feel like you guys enjoy doing the podcast and yeah. you guys enjoy talking uh, and investing time in, in this kind of chats uh, that you are really into psychology and, and mental coaching and if that's what you like it go for it and and don't be scared to fail yeah. uh, because that's the only way you're gonna improve and you're gonna achieve your goals if you're gonna stop every time you fail or you you're gonna be scared of going out of your comfort zone you're probably gonna be unhappy the rest of your life or at least you're never gonna know what if i give it a try so at least Give it a try and go for your dreams and, and 
try to be happy because that's the reason why we are all here. 100%. Thanks so much for Thanks. that advice. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it. So, yeah, if you could please share this with your friends or someone you feel will benefit from it. Most importantly, like, subscribe, comment down below any questions or guests you'd like us to get on in the future. Also, go follow our Twitter or Instagram. Links will be in the description of the YouTube video or find us at Master in the Mind Podcast. Other than that, thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Thank you, guys.